Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Sean. Good evening. And today we're discussing chapter 26 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. In chapter 26, Sir Thomas declares that there shall be a ball. Mrs Norris is annoyed. Everybody else is excited. Fanny doesn't know what to wear, goes to talk to Miss Crawford, who gives her a necklace for her brother's cross, which we all know is secretly from Henry. Edmund has much internalised discussion with himself about Miss Crawford and his upcoming ordination. So Sir Thomas moves really quickly because it's only the night before when they have dinner at the parsonage. The next morning he comes to breakfast and says, we're going to have a ball. He's already sorted out in his mind, and by the end of the day, the invitations have been sent. He is delightful. He really is. Mrs. Norris is not happy. Oh, Mrs. Norris. She thinks there should be a reason and an occasion for such a thing. She's surprised and vexed. His daughter's absent and herself not consulted, which made me wonder. We've never heard about there being a ball at Mansfield before. We don't know if he's ever held a ball for his daughters. No, but they went to Northampton or somewhere, didn't they? They did, but I would imagine having a ball at home would have been a grander affair. They may well have done, but that would have been when they came out. They're a few years older than Fanny, aren't they? I think Julia is three years older than her. Yes, so she'd be 21. So there would have been a ball while Fanny was still in the schoolroom. There's a lovely picture of... Many a young lady going to bed that night with her head full of happy cares. I've always felt that Sir Thomas has been given a bad rap here as the big ogre. But actually he intrinsically cares about his family. He's just not that good at showing it, but he's trying now. He's been away. He appreciates Fanny. He's so happy to provide a chance for William and Fanny to dance together, to see each other dance, because they probably won't dance together. Being that they're siblings, it's a little inappropriate. Um, um, not necessarily, yes. no, no. Because no. William was saying something in the previous chapter about would it be inappropriate. And Emma says something in Emma to Mr Knightley, we're not so much brother and sister as to make it improper, that they can dance. I thought it could also be quite safe because essentially the the brother then is like, almost like a, a chaperone, you know, because if you haven't got any partners, you'll dance with your father, you'll dance with your, your brother. I didn't think of it as being inappropriate. The preparations go on and Lady Bertram continued to sit on her sofa without any inconvenience from them. And Mrs Norris was still ready with her suggestions for the rooms, but everything was pre-arranged. Even the day. Quite a lot of couples we decided, wasn't there? 12 to 14 couples. So that's about 30 people minimum because then you'd need chaperones on top. So we find out that William has bought Fanny and Amber Cross when he was in Sicily, which many people have said is related to Jane Austen and her sister Cassandra getting given Amber Crosses by their brother. Isn't there also an Amber Cross in Pride and Prejudice? In the 1995 adaptation, they wear Amber Crosses. That might be what you're thinking of. There is an Amber Cross that was given to the Austen sisters from their Mabel brother. And I'm not sure whether it's Charles or Francis, actually. But Jane wrote to him and said, you need to stop spending all your money on your sisters. Yes. You'll have no money. Which because is they parallel, were quite expensive. Yeah. Well, they were. I think she quite treated it. They are both in her house at Chawton. 
Fanny goes to see Miss Crawford to ask about what she should wear and Miss Crawford is the one who brings up the cross and offers to give her a necklace but Fanny thinks the gift was too valuable and finds herself obliged to yield but she would rather perhaps have been obliged to some other person but then kicks herself thinking this was an unworthy feeling. That's all quite interesting the way that comes about because Miss Crawford was already walking she already had the she already necklace. had the chains in her hand. We know spoilers that actually it's Henry, and this shows that Henry is actually quite thoughtful. I mean, he's a cad, but he's a thoughtful cad. Like when he was trying to tell her when William turned up, he is trying to do things that are suited to her and to please her. He does adapt to his object of seduction at the time. They are flawed characters that they don't achieve their potential. Both of them have got a lot of energy. They're very intelligent and they could do great things. They manage to spoil it to self-indulgence. Moving more back to Mary and Edmund, you've got Edmund with a sort of internal soliloquy about will she, won't she, because he's going to be ordained. He knows she's not keen on that quiet life. He does enjoy a bit of socialisation, but intrinsically he is a quieter soul. Half his destiny would be determined. He's very clear. He knows he will be a clergyman. But the wife who was to share, to animate and reward his duties might be unattainable. Mm. He knew his own mind, but he was not always perfectly assured of knowing Miss Crawford's. She has a decided preference of a London life, which seems to point to a determined rejection. Did she love him well enough to forego what had used to be essential points? Did she love him well enough to make them no longer essential? Problem being here, they both love each other, but they both want the other to change to accommodate their wishes. We tend to fall on Edmund's side, but he is asking Miss Crawford to change as well. She is more telling him, but he is quietly hoping and not asking her to change. It's just that she's more verbal about it than he is. And I've been in that situation when you care about someone and they care about you, but you want different things. And that makes it very difficult because you have this dream of being together, but actually a significant part of your personality is attracted to something completely different. How do you reconcile those in a relationship? And that's really one of the problems all marriages have. But I think in here, they are two completely contradictory conditions that I can't see them working well together. Presumably later on we'll have a few murmurings and cognition from Mary thinking the same sort of thing. In a previous chapter, Miss Crawford was very clearly thinking, I'm not going to think of Edmund seriously anymore because he is stuck on being a clergyman and that is not acceptable to me. I will accept his attentions but not think seriously of them. And is it a desire for them to change or is it a desire to recognise, am I enough to compensate for the lack of the other? It'll just breed discontent. Miss Crawford is going to leave Mansfield soon. She's been invited to stay with friends. She felt she must go and knew she should enjoy herself when once away. And she was already looking forward to being at Mansfield again, which makes Edmund think that she's thinking of him. So he got in quick. Engaged her early for the first two dances. Which is his only real concern about the ball, apart from being happy for Fanny and William. 
because it makes very clear that to him, this has the same amount of importance as every interaction with Miss Crawford. They are all equally important to try and determine whether she is interested in him, whether she will say yes if he proposes. He's been dragging his feet on this for months. Has he? It wouldn't have been appropriate for him to propose until he had himself set on a career. Because I thought that his waiting was more about wanting to be assured that she would say yes. But you make a very good point. You can't really propose to someone when you have no means of supporting them. Particularly in those days, and he did not want to just be relying on his father. And even if he suddenly changed his mind and decided to go into law or the army, he wouldn't be earning money from the get-go. He'd have to go back to law school. It'll take several years to establish himself. Fanny suspects that Miss Crawford is in cahoots with her brother. She should have kept her mouth shut. Miss Crawford says, uh, You suspect a confederacy between us. That what I am doing is with his knowledge and at his desire. And there is an expression in Miss Crawford's eyes which Fanny could not be satisfied with. She was complacent as a sister, but careless as a woman and a friend. Miss Crawford should be acting better to other women. She knows that Henry is not interested in anything above board with Fanny. He's interested in toying with her, but that's it. Spoilers, eventually Henry wants to do the right thing, but at this point he doesn't. If he did, her supporting her brother would be more understandable, but she is still using underhand manners and lying to her friend. She knows very well it's actually very improper for Fanny to accept a gift from somebody who's not family and with whom she's not betrothed. She would have been far better off keeping her mouth shut. She wants to tease Fanny because she has this idea that it will be raising Fanny's spirits. Not realising in actual fact she now feels so much worse than she did before she went down. Then she says at the end, his manners have changed and he was trying to please her. He was something like what he had been to her cousins. He wanted, she supposed, to cheat over tranquility as he had cheated them. That is not a positive recommendation of his behaviour. She sees what he's about and she does not trust that he has no intention. So the ball, the interesting one that comes along. Yeah, a lot happens in this chapter and I thought they were going to run straight into the ball actually. And that is our summary of chapter 26 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you a happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of... The Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa, New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice, heavily Pride-focused merch, too. It's on Redbubble, and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!